Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. Settled in, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see a full sanctuary once again, starting to get full again. I know a lot of you come on the second service and you don't see the first service, but um, the first service is just as full, if not fuller, than this. I mean, like I was, we were just talking out there, like in the today's total, we're pushing 200. Yeah, I mean, y'all may not see that, but um, you know what I mean. It's there's a lot of people coming at the first service, and so um, that's why we have two services, literally. And that our goal was to grow and minister to more people. And so, um, thank y'all for being part. How many of you know things are different today? Happy New Year, by the way. We can, we're just going to have a little talk today. Is that all right? Things are different. How many of you missed the good old days back in January and February of 2020? Y'all miss those good old days back when you could like travel and go anywhere you wanted, you know, and not have to worry about uh, protocols and uh, you didn't, you know, just things. You, you could just go eat wherever you wanted. How many of you missed the good old days? Yeah, me too. How many of you tired of hearing? How many, of you, how many, how many times have you heard someone say, we're living in precedented times, unprecedented times? How many of you have heard that? How many of you are ready for something that's precedented? <laughs> Y'all ready for that? It's, it, it's, I'm ready for, give me a little precedented. I mean, 2021, it seems like, uh, you know, it, it, we've come, come through the fire. We've come through whatever you want to call it. We've come through a storm. And, and it's not, may not be over yet, but it's 2021, and I believe God's getting ready to do something fresh and anew in this place. And not only here, but in our community, uh, everywhere, across our nation. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, it seems like some of the conversations I've had through the last month and stuff, preparing for 2021, it seems like a lot of people are still tense. There's still some people out there that's tense. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that are still real easily agitated. You can bring up certain to- topics and people get agitated. Uh, uh, the whole mask issue has brought nothing but decisiveness. Uh, um, you know, there's, there's, even there, there's days I wake up, and I, I, me and Amy's had these conversations. I wake up, and for no, no reason at all, I wake up tense and agitated. Y'all, y'all feel what I'm talking about? And like it, we go to the office, we talked about this, and, and it just like, seems like we're just tense and agitated. And so we're having to pray through these things. And, and um, it just seems like people are uneasy. People are kind of terrified still, scared of, uh, maybe not just petrified, scared, but they're just the unknown. You know what I mean? What, what's going on? What's, what's going to happen tomorrow, next week? Um, uh, right now in this season, I list, listen to a lot of people. Uh, me, even my wife, we had a conversation last night. People are feeling disconnected a little bit, maybe a little bit of hopelessness. You, don't, you know, just, you know, just like want to give up, you know. Uh, uh, people are lacking confidence. Maybe that's you. Uh, um, you know, Confidence about going into the future, you know, going back to schools and starting all these things. And, and so people are questioning everything and everybody. You know, 
conspiracy theories. You know, well, what's what's true? What's not true? What's you know, who can we trust? Who's telling the truth? Who's not telling the truth? So a lot of people, as I speak, uh, um, even I've had conversations with people, and, and and there's a lot of people I know that are slipping back into destructive habits and bad rhythms of life that lead towards sin. I, I know people in this season right now that, you know, they would just say life's not working out the way I planned. All of this uncertainty, all these changes, all these, it's it just, this is what, not what I had planned. Uh, and so there's such a heaviness, uneasiness, even though we're in, entering into a new year, everybody's excited. Uh, um, um, I have to ask this question today. What's missing? What's missing? What's missing in your life? What's missing in your family? What is missing? I ran into a guy the other day, a week or 10 days ago or something like that, and I just haven't seen him in a while. And all I said was, uh, um, hey, haven't seen you in a while. I've been missing you at church. That was it. And I don't say that to shame people. It's, it, it's, that's a double-edged sword to me. You know, if I say, tell somebody I've been missing them, I, I shame them. But if I don't say something, they get mad because I didn't say it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a fine line I walk. So I, I just said, hey, man, I've been missing you at church, man. It's, uh, we've just been missing you. And he just hung his head and he said, I know, Pastor, I, I need to get back to church. You know, I just, I've been making some bad decisions and I just feel so bad. I feel so empty. And he, he looked at me and said, I, I miss going to church. I was like, well, come back. That's all you got to do. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to push him because you could see the disparity on his face. Somebody say church. Say it again. Say church. If you're watching online, type that in the comments or something like that. Type church. I want to talk to you today about the church. And, and I hope you get a deeper revelation of the church today. That's what I'm going to talk to you about, what it really means to come to church, what, it, what the church really is. I'm going to talk to you about that, even what this church is. <coughs> so let's start off with the definition of the church. The Greek word that is translated into the word church appears 107 times in the New Testament. It is the word ecclesia, ecclesia. It's, it's, it's two words put together to make one word. Uh, um, the first part of the word is E-K, eek, eek. <laughs> um, it's, it means out of, away from. And, and you'll understand it here in just a minute. The other part of the word ecclesia, mean, it comes from the root word, word calling. And so this word, when you put it together, it means two things at the same time. You have to be Greek to know that. <laughs> uh, and so it, it means to assemble together. At the same time, it means called out. That's who we are. We are the church. So in other words, we are called out. Called out of what? Called out of our homes, literally, to gather together to be strengthened. That's what it means, to be called out. How is someone called out? It's when they're invited. You call people out. You call people up. You say, hey, come to church with me. You need to come to church. You need to get to church. You're calling them out to a place to assemble in a public place together. That's what it means. The word ecclesia literally means, if you look it up and Google it, it means a gathering of citizens called out of their homes into a public place, an assembly. 
One of the derivatives of the word klesia is kaleo, and it means it, it literally means to, uh, to call aloud, to utter in a loud voice, to invite. So in other words, uh, don't just whisper. I mean, like, hey, <laughs> you need to get to church. You know, call out in a loud voice. And I mean, you know, at some point in your life, all of you have been called out to come to church. You've been invited to church. Um, let me ask you this. Who do you think was the first person? I mean, nobody in the first service got this. Everybody was too afraid to answer. Who do you think was the first person to mention the word church in the New Testament? Anybody want to take a shot? You were already here. You can count. All right. Jesus. Jesus was the first person to mention. She was, she's cheating a little bit. Jesus was the first person to mention the word church in the New Testament. The very first time. Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16 and he gave them a pop quiz. He asked his disciples, he said, hey, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And I don't know the disciples, maybe they're reaching, maybe they're, you know, maybe they really didn't know, maybe they're guessing, I don't know where they're at, but they were like stuttering around, you know, oh, I don't know, are you John the Baptist, maybe you're Elijah, maybe you're Jeremiah, uh, maybe you're one of the other prophets, and they were just kind of reaching, and they really didn't know how to answer the question, so Jesus turned directly to Peter, and Jesus said, Peter, who do you say that I am? You have to understand Jesus' identity has not been revealed up to this point. Nobody knew who he was. He's just a dude. He's just a son of a carpenter. He's, he, he's just a guy. And he looked at Peter and said, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter, the Spirit of God came upon Peter, and Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and this is the first time church is mentioned in the scripture, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. He will build what? Everybody say it again. What's he going to build? The church. And then he said, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will build my church. you got to understand that Jesus loves his church. He, Jesus cares about his church. Jesus loves and wants to build his church. And, and so I want to talk to you about just a moment for a, a moment about the church in my life. Um, because you have to understand that when we think of church, we think of a building. We think, oh, Jesus loves his church and he's going to build his church. Like he's going to build this big church, like this big building with lots of people and stuff. And that's where we miss it. That's not what he's talking about. And, and you know, and, and we're going to all come into this building, you know, and, and the gates of hell are going to try to come in our doors. And he's not going to, that's not what he's talking about. The gates of hell will not prevail. He's talking about you. You are the church. And he said, upon, he was talking to Peter, he said, upon this rock, Peter's a rock, I'm going to build this church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against him. So I want to talk to you just a minute about the church, about some of the events that happened at church and around the church and because of the church in my life to give you some history of the church. And so in my life, from if I go back as far as I can remember, 
because there was, some, there was a church back in when I was real little, and I don't remember much about it. But in my life, the churches I remember, there was five churches. Five churches that I can talk to you about. The first church that I was in was in middle school and high school. And I, it's where I grew up and went to town and stuff. And I, I, I listen, I don't remember much about that church. I just went with my guys. I went with the friends. You know, I went because of girls, uh, girlfriends. You know, I, I was just there. Popularity. We, I, have no, I couldn't even tell you who the youth pastors were during those days. I had no clue. I was just going to a building. I, I was just, you know, had my eye on a girl or something like that. And if she didn't like me, I quit going for a while, you know, and then another one would like me, and then I'd go to church for a while. You know what I mean? Try to impress them. That's that's was my motives. And I will say this, and this is a shout-out to my friends in Melrose. They had the best potlucks on this side of heaven. I mean, I'm just going to say that. If you're listening from Melrose, they, I mean, I will say that. But after I got out of high school, I graduated, I went to another church. And... uh uh, it was a brief time at this church. It was in Edmondson, Texas. Um, we were living in Edmondson, Texas, because that's where my wife lived, and, and, and that's where we got married. We got married in this church. And we attended for a while, but there was really no connection. We just kind of went and, you know, and did the thing and walked out and, you know, went and ate. And it, it, there was just really no connection. There's some good friends in there and stuff. And, and there, there was a, it was just a short sleep season. Uh, um, um, but we, like I said, we got married there and kind of felt obligated to go. I don't know. Um, but we moved to T- Plainview, Texas, and, and we started attending the third church. Now, the third church is where it really impacted me. This is, the third church is where I got saved. I got radically saved. I mean, I, I, I thought I got saved when I was little, but, I, you know, th- this third church is where I got radically Pulled out of my sin, delivered from drugs, delivered from alcohol. I got, I got radically saved. Immorality. Uh, not only did I get saved in this church, I learned to serve in this church. This is where I learned to serve. Just no questions asked, serve. I learned to give and to tithe in this church. I learned the tithing and the giving concept in this church. I learned how to pray in this church. Uh, um, I learned how to worship, what it is to worship and battle through your worship and, and raise your hands and just, just, just battle and worship. And, and this is the church also where I was called into the ministry. And even though I was called into the ministry, listen, I, I cleaned bathrooms in this church. I served in this church. I vacuumed in this church. I, I worked in children's ministries in this church. I got delivered from children's ministry in this church. And then I went into youth ministry. I did every aspect of ministry in this church that you could think of. <coughs> I did bus ministry in this church. I, I got on buses. I, sir, I would get off. I would clock out early as I could on a Wednesday night, and I would get on a bus, and we'd go pick up kids all over Plainview, Texas. I, on that bus, I got punched in that bus. I've been spit on in that bus. We were driving down the road. I've seen kids get mad and open the emergency door and bail out of bus because they weren't going to go to church. They'd bail out while we were going down the highway. I've seen that with my own eyes. I, I served in this church in every way I possible. And, and, and even though, like I said, I eventually went into the youth ministry in this church and, and started a youth ministry and had a growing youth ministry. And the youth ministry got big. It got to a couple hundred kids and, and we were doing some cool things. And I, I, I eventually even served on the board in this church. I saw the ups and downs of, of a building project in this church. 
what it is to, you know, to manage contractors and, and to, get a, to take a vision from paper and a concept from paper and, and to bring it to life into brick and mortar. And, 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 and I know what it's like to deal with city inspectors where they're real strict and fire codes. And I know what it is to, 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 to and I got involved and I learned in this church how the church interacts with politics, you know, and politicians. And, and, and I learned all that. It was in this church also where I learned about the pain of a pastor walking away from a church and leaving a void in the people. I learned that in this church. I learned what it was like to, to, uh, to, um, what it was like to have to search for a pastor and hope and pray that this is the right one and, and this is not the right one. And now I learned what it was like to have to ask for a pastor's resignation because of moral failures in this church. I've had to do that. I, I learned in this church the heartache of a split board and a divided church. I learned what it was like to see a church split. I learned in this church, I learned what it was like for a church to not be able to pay its bills and not pay the pastor's salary because the church was so divided that half the church were holding their tithes, which is demonic and evil. And they starved the pastor out where he had to go get another job. I, I know what that's like. I learned in this church how to console a pastor when he felt like he didn't absolutely have any friends. Ministry is a lonely job. And eventually, we moved on from this church for our kids' sake because I, 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 my family did all we could to stay. And we left in the good graces and uh, we, we just said, hey, for our kids' benefit, we got to go. And, and, and uh, there's no animosity. There's no burnt bridges there in any party, even with the split half. There's been lots of reconciliation and lots of healing. And, and so we moved on. And, and, and our kids were young at this point. We've got a lot of young kids in this place. And, and our kids started to, to cut their pew. I, I know what it's like to hold your kid. I know what it's like to have a kid that's fussy in church. We did that. That doesn't bother me, by the way. Doesn't bother me one bit. That that's the sign of life in a church, and I I love that. And so uh, my kids were we were worried about their growth, and so we moved on. And, and so the next church in my life, this is the fourth one. My kids started cutting their teeth on the church pews, and they started going to camps and events and fundraisers and doing all this fun stuff. And they grew spiritually. They started growing, you know, in their own way. And uh, my kids have experienced youth groups that are three or four people, and they've experienced youth groups that are two or three hundred people. They've been on all spectrums. Kids' ministries, they know what it's like to have just them all the way to having 300 kids and having fun and having busloads of kids and going to camp. My kids know that. In this church, I personally learned what it was like to be burnt out and discouraged and sit in the pews. And wondering what you're doing, wondering what God's doing with your life. I, I, I learned the art of being complacent in this church and just sitting back with my arms folded and saying, I don't want anything, I don't want nobody to bother me, just leave me alone. It was in this church, this fourth church, where I learned what it was like to be mad at the pastor because he didn't do things the way I thought he should be doing them. I, I've been there. 
I've been mad at that pastor. I, was, I, I learned how to be mad at a pastor for overlooking me for, to do certain things because somebody else got to do certain things. Be jealous. I, I've learned how to be mad at a pastor for correcting me. I've been corrected many times. I learned how to be mad at a pastor in this church because he wasn't there at my beck and call. I learned what it was like to be moved from one ministry to another ministry and thinking, I'm losing my sense of entitlement, only to find out later that it was, also, it was a step of growth. You see what I'm saying? It's, but I didn't understand it at that time. I learned in this church, I've been in your shoes, I've said in their shoes what it was like to go into a pastor's office because you're mad and ticked off and you're angry at the pastor and I know what it's like to sit down and work out the frustrations and talk about it because the Bible says, let us come together and let us reason. I know what that's like, I've said in your shoes. I, I still talk, listen, I still talk to this pastor today because he's one of my best friends. And we still stay in contact to this day. We text each other all the time. He's off in Michigan somewhere. No, Ohio. Because he's an OU fan. That's how I know that. I, I'm trying to tell you today that I've been on both sides of the spectrum in nearly every aspect of the church that you can imagine. Anything that you can throw at me, I've probably been there. I've seen, I've sat where you're sitting, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the beautiful of the church. But I can tell you this, I love the church. I love the church. I love the church with all my heart. My wife and kids, they've seen the good and the bad, bad and the ugly of the church. Large churches, small churches, every type of ministry. Many times, listen, many times, I can't tell you how many times, I wanted to walk away from the church and just give up and throw my hands up and say, life would be so much better if I just walked away and do things on my own and go have fun. But I had to learn. I, I learned that there was so much more at stake than just my selfish feelings. That my, not only was my wife looking, my kids, they were looking at me to be the spiritual leader in their life. And I didn't want to let them down. My kids, my kids and family, they were dependent on me. And then there's another church. It's this church. And I'm just going to tell you, I told them this morning, I have tried and done everything in my power to take everything that I learned in those 10 or 15 years, the good and the bad and the ugly and the beautiful and, and everything, and I've tried to do bring all that together and do my best to pastor this church. And, and I've, been ex I've been here exactly 15 years. I, I don't believe it. I mean, I wasn't supposed to be here but two years. <laughs> I love the church. I'm not fixing to resign or anything. Some of y'all have got some anxiety going on. I'm going to make a point here in a minute. I've been here for 15 years. And let me tell you something. I've not always done things right. For that I say forgive me. I have failed some of you. I'm not going to say many of you. I've failed a lot of you. 
and I know it. And I've asked for forgiveness, and I've tried to mend those bridges. I always try to mend those bridges. Listen, I failed some of you, and I don't know it because you didn't let me know. I have failed. Listen, if I have failed you or offended you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's not my heart. I've done things I wish I could go back in 15 years. I wish I could go back and redo. Listen, we all do. There's things 15 years ago you wished you could redo too, right? Or any of y'all, did have any of y'all made mistakes in the last 15 years? We all do. What I'm saying is, listen, all we can do is say, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me, and we move on. That's, That's it. I'm a human being that just wants to lead people to Jesus Christ. That's it. And for that reason, listen, I have pastors that mentor me, and and, and I'm still learning, I'm still growing. Any pastor that's not making mistakes and learning from other pastors is not growing. That's, you know, there's not a perfect pastor out there. Trust me, I know. I'm in circles with pastors of big churches and pastors of little circles. There's not a perfect pastor. And honestly, listen, my kids, they're in, high, high, they're in ministry in very high positions, and they're serving, and they're, they understand the good, bad, and ugly of the church, and that's why they do well and they're successful in the ministry is because they understand what it means to be in ministry, and they love what they do. I mean, that me and my wife prayed for them for 20 years so that they would be in the ministry, and they're finally there, and, and, you know, and we, we, couldn't be, we couldn't be excited. And, and listen, I'm starting to learn from them the functionality of a larger church, what they go through, the steps they got to take, the mistakes and the landmines that they've got to avoid, and I'm learning those processes because I want to get better. I want to have two, I want 200, 300. I, I want to go to three services. I, I'm not done just because we get two full services. I'm not done. <laughs> Y'all understand that? I want a bigger building. I'm praying for a bigger building. I, I, want, to, I want to blow this thing up. I, I'm not, I ain't got one foot in the grave. <laughs> I still wear my Jordan Air 1s, man. I got it going on. Listen, I'm trying to tell you, our whole life, Half my life, over half my life, everything that I can find that's anything meaningful is a reflection of the work of God through the bride of Christ, the church. Even the bad times were growth. Y'all get what I'm saying? Even the bad times, you learn that that helps you learn what not to do. (laughs) Does that make sense? I mean, Babe Ruth had the most home runs, but he also had the most strikeouts. And so, and all of this stuff, it's not because I'm a pastor, because all that stuff I talked about, I wasn't a pastor during those seasons. I was, that was long before I was a pastor. Uh, I was, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first. Just like you, I'm part of the bride of Jesus Christ, his church. And so I hope many of you have stories like that. That you can say, listen, here's how God used the people of God to build you. Good and bad, this is how God's people built me. This is how God's people impacted me. The church. Here's how God uses the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. I want to talk to you about the church for the remainder of our time. In fact, what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to give you a little test. I'm going to give you a little test. And I'm going to share some scriptures with you. 
And now I feel like the first service, the first people out there, I feel like when I went through these scriptures, it kind of grazed over them real fast. And I want, I'm going to read these scriptures, and they're going to be up on the screen, and I want you to just really lean into these scriptures, and I want you to listen to the scriptures and what they're saying, okay? really want you to chew on this and meditate this. I want to see if these scriptures move you, if something sparks in you, if something stirs in you when you read these scriptures, or if it just bores you to death. This is a test. This is on you. Okay, so I'm going to show you a portion of a scripture from the Old Testament, Proverbs 31. <clears throat> now, those of you that have been around the church, especially ladies, if Proverbs 31 is a very familiar portion of scripture. Proverbs 31 talks about a godly woman. Um, men, I'll just tell you right now, Proverbs 31 has all these unbelievably high standards, which makes men glad that they're not women. That's what it is, okay? Just saying. These are uh, amazing standards of a godly person. Specifically, the last 22 verses of Proverbs 31. Um, so, um, now what you need to know is anytime you read the Bible, I need to lay this little foundation. Anytime you read the Bible, all scriptures point to Jesus. Everybody say amen? You understand that? All scriptures point to Jesus. Um, Jesus is the main character of the Bible. In the Old Testament, you'll see images of Jesus, images of God, and images of the church. Um, for example, the, songs of, the Song of Solomon. I mean, it's a graphic love story. <laughs> graphic love story. I mean, I have a hard time preaching on it. It made me blush. It's a graphic love story. Y'all are going to go home and read the Song of Solomon's now. So it's a graphic love story between a man and a woman. I mean, talking about licking the dew and just dew running off my lips. It's graphic. Okay, so, but listen to me. It's also a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And a picture of God's love for his church. So everything points to Jesus and everything points to the church. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Proverbs 31, just a few scriptures. i got a series of scriptures that I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. And I want to show you a metaphor or a series of metaphors about the church. Now, we think it's about the Proverbs 31, about the godly wife, and all about the woman and everything like that. We do. And, and let me explain to you this. I'm not taking away from scriptures or adding. I'm showing you an illustration, okay? So hang with me. Here's what we're going to do. When you see the word husband, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some parentheses up there, and, I'm gonna, and we're going to substitute for husband, we're going to substitute the name Jesus, okay? So the husband represents Jesus. Y'all got me on that? And anytime we see a godly woman in these scriptures, we're going to substitute the word the bride for the godly woman. So I'm going to, uh, so, so, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. The bride, when we see the bride, that's gonna, we're going to put the church in the place of the bride. So instead of the bride of Jesus Christ, you have the church. So I'll demonstrate this. I'm going to read Psalms 31 like it's supposed to read, just to give you an example. And then I'm going to read a bunch of series of scriptures from the Passion Translation with some parentheses, some changed words in there so you can see the symbolism and the metaphor. Starting with Proverbs 31, verse 10, this is what the real text looks like. It says, uh, um, who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. 
Now, now I'm going to show you an edited version, and you'll see in parentheses, I, I think they're right, but here's, what I, here's Proverbs 31.10 in, in a different, with some parentheses. I'm going to read this to you. Hopefully this resonates to you. Let it speak to you. Who could ever find a church like this one? Christ's church is full of strength and mighty valor. The church is full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for the church was greater than many jewels. 13 and 14. The church searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. Verse 14, the church gives out revelation, truth, to feed others. Verse 18, the church tastes and experiences a better substance and her shining light will not be extinguished. No matter how dark the light, how dark the night, (laughs) the church, verse 20, the church is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor, for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. Her husband, Jesus, is famous and admired by all. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. And then here's the next verse. I edited it. You'll see how you'll see. You'll see. You'll understand. Uh, um, there are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Popularity can be misleading, and followers, wealth, and worldly clout is vain and is so quickly fades. But the church. The bride of Christ lives in wonder and awe in the fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. Can somebody say amen? That's the Proverbs 31 woman. Or maybe it's a metaphor of the beautiful bride of Christ, the church, whom Jesus loves and gave his life and died for. What I want to ask you a question right now, I want to ask you this question. Did that connect with you emotionally? Did that connect with you emotionally? Or did it just fly over your head? Listen, if that connected with you emotionally, if it connected with you, it's probably because you don't just go to church. You're part of the bride of the Christ. You're engaged and you're invested in this thing. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus has been building your life. Jesus is doing work in your life. He's been building your life to be part of a bigger calling. He's, if, you, if, this, if, this, if this connected with you emotionally, that's because Jesus has built your life to be part of a bigger calling. He's doing a bigger work in you to be part of a bigger mission. God's working in you and he's building in you. Through the good and the bad and ugly. You, you may not see the growth, but you're growing because you're, church, you're the church. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus has been building your life. And honestly, if, listen, if you don't make yourself available to this, Jesus can't build your life. He can't build 
He can't build his church. Does this connect with you emotionally? I know you may need to go back and you need to reread this. Um, you know, I, I had somebody catch me between services and they said, man, I never saw that. That is so awesome, the metaphor. Now, if this doesn't connect with you emotionally, if it's just scriptures and it just blew over your head, let me ask you this, what's missing in your life? What's missing in your life? If you feel like there's a void, if you feel disconnected like we talked about in the opening comments, if you feel like something's missing, you feel like something's not working, you feel like life is not in rhythm the way it's supposed to be right now, you feel disconnected, maybe you feel alone, you feel isolated, you don't feel like you're, you're friends, you feel abandoned, maybe you feel trapped, maybe you feel hopeless, maybe you're just a little bit desperate. If, if you feel any of that, what's missing? What is missing? Just maybe it's the church that's missing and maybe the church is missing you. Jesus said, I will build my church. Ecclesia, a gathering of people called out into some public place, an assembly. Jesus wants to build his church. He wants to build you. And so I'm suggesting to you right now a very shift in your mindset. And please hear me when I tell you, this is more than a play on words. The scriptures that I did, it is a little play on the words, but it's more than that. This is a change in, in how you really think and understand and how you perceive the church for which Jesus gave his life for, the church in which Jesus is building, the church in which Jesus sacrificed for and he loves. L listen, we don't, we, we don't just go to church If you just go to church, you can leave a church. Because there's no emotional investment, there's no attachment. If you if you you don't just go to church, church is not a destination. Church is an identity. The church is not a building. Listen to me folks, the church is a people. And that, that's why you don't just go to church. If you Listen, if you just go to church and if you just leave a church, you're not leaving a building, you're leaving a people. Y'all understand that? We are the church and we're here for the world. Now, let me shift gears because what's so pr profoundly interesting about this scripture is Jesus mentions the church and he said, I will build my church Okay, hear me when I say this, because Jesus didn't say, I will build my church and the church will care for the sick and the orphans and the widows. He does say that later in other portions of Scripture, and that's important. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what he said in this portion of Scripture. Jesus didn't say, I'll build my church and there will be peace on earth. He does say there will be peace on earth, but that's another portion of Scripture. That's another context. What Jesus said was, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's what came second. In other words, the first time that Jesus talks about the church in the entire New Testament, the first time he utters the word church out of his mouth, there he gives a very clear, a very, very clear and, and plain reminder that the church is engaged in a war. The gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, there's a war at your door. There's a war at your door. 
Folks, there's a war at your door. <laughs> there, there is a war, but the gates of hell, he's telling you, it's not going to prevail. It's not going to win. It's not going to take you over as long as you are part of the church, as long as you're be, God's building up on the rock, as long as you're making yourself available. He, the devil's not going to take you over. The gates of hell tells me there's a battle going on. So what's missing in your life? Maybe you're not engaged in the battle. Maybe you're not engaged in the war. Maybe you're not doing anything to make a difference. If I know anything about battles, that when people take their front lines and they, they start taking out some enemy and they start uh, pursuing the enemy, they're making a difference. And if all we want to do is sit back and suck on lollipops in the front lines, we're not making a difference. And maybe you're not engaged in pushing back the forces of darkness like you were created and called to do in his church. And maybe today, hopefully today, my prayer and the point of this is maybe that today you'll recognize that, man, it's crazy out there in the world. 2020 was crazy. We're in a war. The church is in a war. And maybe you'll recognize if you're not that, hey, I'm not engaged in the battle, man. Let me give you a visual of it. When I was in the seventh or eighth grade, I don't remember what it was, uh, um, back in uh, junior high or high school, whatever, middle school, I, I, there was a kid that came to school. He was messing with me. He was kind of new, you know, um, and he was an older guy. And I'm, You know, we always try to hang out with the older kids. We want to be accepted, you know what I mean, you know, varsity sports, all that. We want to be accepted into circles. And so this kid, he, I don't know what he had against me, but he just come up and he kind of pushed me in the back. And I'm thought. Hey, he just wants to be my friend, you know. He's trying to break the ice, you know, because guys have this real strange way of telling each other you're cool and we accept you. I mean, it's just weird. Uh, uh, <laughs> but he pushed me, and so i like, hey, okay, well, maybe he wants to be my buddy. He's just, you know, they're horse playing, you know, and he's trying to accept me. I just kind of laughed it off. He wants to be my buddy. <laughs> and then he grabs me, puts me in a headlock. And he's just like, I was like, okay, he really wants to be my buddy, man. He really likes me. <laughs> told you guys have this weird way of doing things. And I'm thinking he wants to be my friend, and we're going to be buddies for a long time. And then after the headlock, gets, he, gets, I, he gets me out, I, let's go to the headlock. I stand up, he grabs my shoulders, and he flips me over my leg and throws me down on the ground. And I'm going, okay, I don't, I, I, listen, I don't think we're going to be buddies. I don't think he wants to be buddies. I realized we're in a battle. We're in a battle, and I'm gonna. We're gonna. I'm fixing to stand up, and we're gonna have a battle. We're, we're, this is going down. And some of you need to recognize that there's someone attacking you. There's someone trying to pick a fight with you. His name is Satan, and his mission is to rob, steal, kill, and destroy your life. He wants to put you in a headlock. He wants to throw you down and body slam you on your back. He's not praying around. He's not your buddy, and this is not a joke. And you need to stand up and engage in the battle, confront the enemy, and quit turning your back and running. This is a battle. We're in a battle, and we're supposed to engage the battle as a church, as individuals and collectively as a church. Uh, and our battle, listen to me, listen, Paul said this, and I've been teaching on the, the, the armor of God and talking, teaching out of Ephesians, and I, you guys know this. Paul said, uh, this battle is not against flesh and blood. This battle is not against uh, 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 mask wearers and not mask wearers. 
Come on, somebody. The battle's not against those who vote one way or vote another way. The battle's not against those who post one way and post another way. That's not where the battle is. Our battle's against spiritual forces of darkness in this world, and we are called as a church and as individuals and collectively to be the light of the world, to be the force of love, and to push back darkness for the kingdom of God. That's what we're called to do. And, and so what's missing in your life? Maybe it's the church. Maybe the church is missing you. And maybe you're like here today and you're like, yeah, yeah, I believe, Pastor, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God and all that stuff, you know. And, but listen, you're not engaged. You're not engaged. You're called to be engaged. And you're saying, well, what does it look like to be engaged? I'm going to talk to you about that. What does that look like to be engaged? I, I, listen, I honestly don't know what that means right now in this season. This season, you know, everything, lots changed in this season. So it may be a di- little different for this season, and the next season it might change again. People go through seasons, you know. They go through seasons where they can serve in ministry. They go through certain seasons where they can serve in ministry. Seasons change. I get that. But listen, if you're watching online, people are watching online, or, you, or you're one of those that, you, you know, you go through those seasons where all you can do is watch online because there's people. They have health issues. There's concerns, and they have to stay online, and I get that. I totally get that. They need to be isolated and take care of themselves. But listen, you can still engage in the spiritual battle. You can invite people online. You can talk to others online. You can pray while you're watching the service. You can pray. You can worship in your homes. You can engage in the battle. You can tell it to the people. You can share the service. You can tag people. You can do all kinds of things on social media that you used to couldn't do. You can still engage in the battle. Those of you that are watching online, you can engage right now. You can do something. You can share with somebody. You can share this all over the world. If you were that one that a lot of you, you're you're here, you're capable of coming physically, listen, you have the ability to invite other people. You have the ability to compel them to come, ecclesia, call them out. It's to a gathering of people, to a public place, to an assembly. Whatever it is, let me just encourage you. Let me plead with you. Let me just beg you. I'll get on my hands and knees and beg you. Engage in the spiritual battle uh, because that's what could be missing in your life. When you start to make a significance difference in the life of someone else, even if it's just one person, you'll be fulfilled. Even if it's just one person, even if you bring that person to church and they, they get some emotional healing, spiritual healing, you made a difference. What's missing in your life? Because I'll just tell you, one of the most dangerous places you can be right now, and we, we've really been monitoring this at the office weekly. That's why if you get phone calls from us, you get texts from us, if we don't see you like come into the coffee shop, you know, we, we really are in tune with what's going on with people right now. We have meetings, long meetings, and we go down lists because we're in tune with people because the worst place you can be right now during this COVID season, the lockdown season, is to start isolating yourself from others. Unless there's health issues and stuff. I get that. Don't, don't, don't read me wrong. But there's people, there have been people that are just, they're slowly isolating and they're slowly drifting back. And, and that's, the, that's where Satan wants you. That's his strategy. He wants to dislocate. First of all, he wants to deceive you 
into thinking you don't need the church, to thinking that you can just do all right without it. He'll deceive you, and, and then what he'll do, that's the next strategy is He'll dislocate you, and when he's got you dislocated, that's when he'll destroy you. That's when he'll come and put you in a headlock. That's when he'll slam you on the ground. That's always the devil's tactic, deceive, dislocate, destroy. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. He deceived, they dislocated, they went to the tree, they ate the fruit, and he destroyed them. What's missing in your life? Is it the power of community where iron sharpens iron because together we, because when we come together, we strengthen, we lift, we love, we convict, we correct, we encourage each other because we can't do it. We can't do this thing alone. I've, I've got to have your back. You've got to have my back. We, 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 we cannot fight alone. We need each other. That's a good place for all y'all to say amen. Maybe for you it's just prayer. Maybe for you it's just prayer. You want to do some real spiritual warfare? Get down on your hands and knees and pray because when you pray, heaven opens up and the power of God descends on earth through your prayers. You don't realize, some of you don't realize how powerful your prayers are. Pray and ask God's will to be done on earth that is in heaven and, and engage in prayer. Come to the 815 prayer meeting. If you can come physically, come and pray. I mean, we everything that happens in this church is directly related to how this church is praying, especially in the 815 prayer meeting. And I tell you what, there's some, there's some mornings, all we have is th- these teenagers up here, and, and they're faithful, man. These teenagers, we have, sometimes we have more faithful, we have more teenagers than we do adults. And they're praying and they're seeking God, and it, it just, it, I mean, because, it, you know, prayer does something. Don't, don't just sit by and watch life go back and just pass you by, you know, blah, 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 blah. The world's going to come to end and the rapture's going to take place, I'm going to get out of here, you know. <laughs> Do something about it right now. Engage. Push up your sleeves and fight this thing, however, whatever it looks like for you. It looks different for many people. I get that. You have spiritual gifts. You're part of the body of Christ, and every part of the body is important. And and, and if all, and listen, again, I'm not cracking on people that are watching online. I'm just saying, if all you do is watch online and get a little sermonette here or there, you know, and click on Stephen Furtick or whoever else and uh, just get two or three minutes a week of some, you know, some of that stuff, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying, but that's not enough. You need community. You need the church, ecclesia. Come together to a, a place and gather. Iron sharpens iron. You have spiritual gifts. And, and so, listen, find a place that God can use you and make a difference in this world by actually serving someone else. I told them this morning, even if it's like these young guys sitting here on the camera and all they're doing is following me and zooming in and out. You know why? They're making a difference for those guys that are watching online because they're bringing the reality of this message the best way we can right into their homes. It's not a a camera stuck on a wall with tunnel vision. You know what I mean? They're zooming in and zooming out. Even if you do that, you're making a difference. If you have to stand at the door and shake somebody's hand when they come in and smile, you're making a difference. You're making a difference. And listen, when it comes to your gifts, listen, I struggle with this because what God has put in your heart is up to you to pursue within the body of Christ. Because if I go after you, 
I, I run the risk of putting something in you that's not supposed to be there. Does that make sense? I didn't, I, I mean, God put something on your heart. And if I ask you to do something, a lot of you, I know you, you'll, you'll do it out of obligation. You'll do it just because I asked you to do it. And you'll be burnt out and frustrated, whatever, you know what I mean? If God puts something on your heart, pursue it. And if you've got the paper notes, you'll see on the front of there. If you're a teacher, step out. Let me schedule you because we've got some things we're going to do different this season. I'll explain that to the people that are going to that want to teach. If you have the gift to teach, listen. There's a gift. There's a difference. <laughs> the gift, passion to teach. You know what I mean. So if you got that, man, if God's put that on your heart, talk with Amy or talk with me, and I'll explain it later. What, what's going to happen? How we're going to do that? But listen, there's there's something. There's something. The other thing is you can also give. For God so loved the world that what did He do? He gave. And you never, you, the, the time that you look the most like God is when you give. Because I understand there's people in here in our church that, that have businesses and they're, they're busy and farms and ranches and, and they, they physically can't do a lot of things in the church, but they give. And it makes a difference. That, that's part of it. That, that, a gift of giving, that's gift. That's, that's awesome. Those of you that are give, thank you. I love you, man. You're, you know, you're doing the work of God through the church. You're channeling your resources so that we can reach people, so that other people can serve and do things. So in every church, there's influencers, there's givers, and there's servants. A lot of you have the power. The, the, a lot of you are influencers. You know how to influence people. You know how to. You have that gift of talking to people and compelling them, and you have influence over them. And they'll do if you ask them to come to church. They'll probably come just because they like you. Just because you have influence over. You're an influencer. Some of you are givers. That's that's your calling. You're not necessarily going to be the servant or the influencer. You give so that servants can work. You understand? And then there's servants, and they just work. So there's, there's everything in this church. And so um, you can also invite people. I've also I touched on this. Uh, invite people to come to church. Even if you're online, watching online, you can invite people to come physically. You can, uh, um, I'll tell you this, for those of you watching online and those of you, we're going to start pushing back from Facebook. Um, I'm not pushing my convictions off on you, but I have a hard time of what Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg represents. And what, where their funds go to, and I have a hard time with that. We're not going to do away with our church page and stuff like that. We're still going to do that because it's a viable too. But we're going to start engaging people. On, we're going to have church online. We're, we're creating this platform right now where we have church online where you can go to the website. And we're actually going to have people that sit there and chat with people and talk with people. And if you have prayer requests, if you want to get saved right there, if you want to talk to somebody, you can actually do that. You can direct message them, and it'll be private. You won't be throwing out your garbage there on Facebook. And, and sometimes I feel like Facebook's a garbage dump. Y'all ever feel like that? Here I am trashing them online, it's, and they're watching online Facebook. Metaphors, it's crazy. But listen, we're, we want to connect with people more than just give them content. Does that make sense? There's so much content out there. We want to just connect with our people. That's what, we're, that's what our end goal is, is to connect with people in a better way. So listen, here's the deal. The bottom line is this. i got to land this plane. Here's the deal. When you attend a church that's in a war, the whole mentality, your whole mind of thinking, your whole, everything, when you wake up in the morning, you should wake up with this mentality that it's a search and rescue mission. 
every time you wake up, it's a search and rescue. How, who, who, who do I need to be searching out? Who's my loved ones? Who's my coworkers? Who, who are those that are unsaved? They're struggling. Who, how, do, how can we meet this person's needs? It's a search and rescue. That's the mentality of the church. Because we're ambassadors of God, called by God to do the work of God and meet the needs of people. The church is not a place to go. It's who we are. We are the church. I decided a long time ago that we're, um, this church and the board, we've had a lot of conversations in a long time. Um, by the way, if we're having a partnership class on the 24th of January that we're, where we'll explain the, the, the entirety in detail of how our church functions and who does what. If you have not been to that, I encourage you to go. It'll be during the first service at 9.30 to 10.30. You'll be out of there in an hour and you can come to the 11 o'clock service, especially if you're new here. Uh, or if you haven't even been to this, you, you, I encourage you to go. Amy's going to teach it. Everybody said, wow. <laughs> She's out there in the lobby giving me a dirty look right now. But we decided a long time ago, this church right here, listen, our, our passion, we decided a long time ago that this church would love people right where they're at. That's our goal. That's our mission. It's everywhere. Love Jesus, love people, and live it out. That's who we are. And we're going to do our best to show the love of Jesus Christ through every person that walks through these doors. This church believes that it's more to be—it's more blessed to give, to give than to receive. And so during the COVID lockdowns, I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis. Some of you saw the video of where we've been as a church. We're able to, listen, during the COVID lockdowns, we were so blessed because people just gave in this church. We never saw a dip in the giving. We never saw, a lot of churches were like, man, we're suffering. We don't know what to do. We never saw that. We do, I mean, people, if anything, they gave more. And we were just like, we were just blown away in the offices. And during the, listen, during all this season, 2020, we were able to give back to the community in so many ways. We, we, we do the Easter outreach every year. It was different this year. We couldn't go into the park. Uh, man, we're going to blow it apart this Easter. We got Richard Height coming back. He's going to be in the schools on Friday. He's going to be in the park on Saturday. He's going to be here on Sundays. We're going to blow that thing up. We feed people five, 600 people last time we had it. I mean, it's huge, and we had big Easter egg hunt, and it's massive. We give back to the community. That way, we also give backpacks. I'm not bragging. I'm not putting, putting us on a pedestal. I'm just saying where, what, I'm trying to show you what you've allowed us to accomplish as a church. Backpacks full of school supplies, like 200, 250 backpacks, brand new shoes, brand new socks, over 200 pair given away through this COVID season. Uh, um, coats for kids. I Listen, I didn't even think we were going to have money. I didn't even think we were going to do coats for kids. The church showed up, gave money. We even got money in the budget for next year. Uh, and we gave away, I, I don't know, 250, 300 coats. Uh, uh, we support local ministries around us. Uh, um, we support missions in the United States and abroad. Um, we're even going to start pursuing, I'm having conversations with a guy, we're going to plant a church in India. We're going to start planting churches in India. We are the church, Victory Family Worship Center, and we're going to finance these people and they're going to go, I'll explain it all later, but on top of that, we were able to help so many people through the COVID, uh, through this season with groceries here and there, you know, people, hey, you need, I need, gro I don't know what I'm going to do. We help groceries. We help people with hospital bills and to the extent of, like paying for prescriptions and drugs and stuff like that. We've helped with utility bills. Uh, and so, listen, I'm trying to tell you all that to tell you that you all sitting here were part of that. You did that, not me. 
you did that. We're just managers of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You guys gave. You were involved in that if you guys want to come. You, you, you were the church that's doing this. You get the credit. You get the reward in heaven for this. Those people that are hurting and in our community and unable to work and unable to eat in the community. Listen, we as a church, we, we, we just do all we can to meet those needs. There's other churches too. Listen, everybody, the, the local church is working in every one of the, you, you understand what I'm saying? We meet so many people. Another church meets so many people. It's, it's, everybody's doing their part. And, and, and I say all that to say this because I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. I'll never back down from that. The government's not your hope. I'm going to say this too. Socialism's not your hope. It's not your hope. If you're waiting on the federal, federal government to meet all your needs, they're going to fail you. <laughs> the church, you need something from this church, you come and see me. We will make sure you, if you, got, you need groceries, you need help, you come and see us. You come and we'll do all we can. We got these little protocols and little steps we go through. We'll help you. Especially if you attend this church. And, you know, we get people all the time that don't even attend this church. They come through, they need help. We, we do all we can. But especially if you're in this church, you're one of us. That's what the Bible, Acts chapter 2 did. They brought all their resources together and they helped everybody. You need help, come and see me privately. We'll help you. We're not called to be spiritual consumers, we're, we're called to be contributors. Amen. We're in a war. This is a battle. We're not here to bicker and complain. We're fishermen. I mean, you know that. Fisher of men. The old analogy is when fishermen are not fishing, they're fighting. It's truth. So we got to fish. Got to fish. Fisher for men. The church doesn't exist for us. It exists for the community, it exists for the world. You are the church. And Jesus said, upon this rock, you guys are rocks. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And Satan's not going to knack, he might smack you around a little bit, but he's not going to knock you down. You pin your shoulders back and you look him in the face because the gates of hell will not prevail. You might get pushed back once in a while. I get put in a headlock and landed, but you just throw him down, man. I got up out of that guy and I looked him in the face and said, let's go. I was just a little bitty puny. I didn't even weigh a buck fifty, buck oh five wet, man. <laughs> I was skinny back then. Listen, 2021 is going to be the greatest year for the church. I believe that with all my heart. We're not going back to normal. We're going to a new normal that's better, that's fresh, that's anointed, that, that, that's impactive, that's powerful. That's what we're going to. That's where we're headed. And, and it's going to be the greatest days. Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Don't walk in fear. God says he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and what? Sound mind. Uh, um, walk in that. Everybody in this place, would you mind standing with me? We're going to worship for a minute. We're just going to get into his presence. And, and, and we're just going to... 
if you're watching online, get up off your sofa and uh, let's just worship with us and, and let's just make a difference. Um, we're the church. We're the bride of Christ. Let's act like it. Let's worship like it. Let's pray like it. And, and let's pin back our shoulders and let's march forward because we're fighting a very real enemy. His name is Satan and he's here to rob, steal, kill and destroy your life. And we've got to fight We've got to fight. We've got to be united in this mission. We've got to love people right where they're at. We've got to live this out in every way possible. Ephesians 3.20, Paul said, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all we can ask, think or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. There's a power that's at work in us. Do you all understand that? There's a power, there's a force that's at work within us within you, within Jana, within Dusty. There is Randy, there's a work, there's a power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory. Where? In the church. In the church. In the church. The bride of Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen? Who are we? Uh, let's come on. Let's act like we're the church. Who are we? All right. Now we're ready. <laughs> We're ready. Let's, let's just, we're here for generosity, to seek justice. We're here to make a difference. We're not backing down in the face of opposition. Can somebody say amen?